The Women's Fund for Scotland is Scotland's only dedicated fund for women and girls. I'm Susan Morrison and this is our podcast where we talk to inspiring women improving the lives of those women and girls today. This episode, Atia introduces us to the surprising benefits of Prathia in the park. Natia, you've joined us today to talk about MCAS. MCAS. I'm not saying that right. MCAS. So MCAS is Minority Communities Addiction Support Services. So that's the wider umbrella with which we have a project within uh, for the women that we work with. That's, to me, that, mm-hmm. and as, I don't want to sound disrespectful in a way, but almost like a, an overlooked area of our modern world. 100%, especially within the ethnic communities, the minority communities, it's something that is widely overlooked. Um, so we are, bar ourselves, working with addiction support there is no other organisation that works with minority communities doing this work. So there is us and there is us. There may be other smaller, you know, few, but we, we've we long established sort of grassroots um, within the community. I've been doing this for quite some time now. And what are the particular problems that face women in these situations? Women coming from such backgrounds are, you know, overlooked. Um, women don't have a voice, underrepresented and it's just difficult for them to access support. So part of where this women's work came from and this project came about was to give these women a voice, give them the recognition, give them a safe space, somewhere that they were coming together to connect. Um, and they had the community behind them. Um, there was a familiarity between them and they didn't feel isolated. So they've got loads of challenges and we hope by being a part of us and working with the support that we provide that we can try and better their quality of life and give them a better understanding of the problems that they have and kind of help them recognize and work through different ways and they can better their lives. I mean isolation must be a huge problem for them. Yeah completely. Um, Some of the times they themselves don't even recognize that what they're experiencing as isolation. So a lot of our work actually starts at a very ground level of understanding, awareness and recognition. What you're feeling is okay. And there's ways around of dealing with that and coping with that and the strategies and ways that we can help. Um, yeah, definitely. Isolation is a big, big part. Language is a barrier. Communication is a barrier. Some work, others don't have that financial independence to even be getting out of the house majority of their time is spent looking after family, whether it's young, old, you know, multi-generational families are quite common. So their lives kind of just tick on by without them having any focus on them themselves. And that must be such a, it's like you're almost like you're trying to turn around a huge ship by making them look at themselves and look after themselves for a while. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When women initially come on board, they'll, you know, they'll get the basic understanding, the recognition they need help of some sort. They don't even recognise that they need help. They don't recognise what help could look like or should look like. And it takes them quite some time to understand that they're allowed to take a very small time out just for themselves. And that will improve their mental health and physical health. And in turn, it's trying to encourage them to make them understand you will actually be better back in the community with your families because you've looked after yourselves by doing good for you ultimately you're doing good for everybody around you 
<laughs> wow, that that is actually it's a really powerful argument. But sometimes it's it's amazing how women are so resistant to going. Oh, you're right. I do have to look after myself. And yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's okay. You're allowed to, and it, and it's quite good as as they sort of progress through working with us. It's you see the support that the family then has going. Oh yeah, actually, I see an improvement in my mom, my grand, my sister. You know, whoever the lady is. And when you're getting that feedback, that also encourages the woman in, in the question to be like, oh, actually, I did make the right choice because my family's now approving of the choice that I've made. And the family also recognise the hard work and the commitment and the progress. You know, it's all positive, but it takes a long time to kind of get that awareness and understanding for the women themselves and then the family and then the community sort of, you know, everybody kind of collectively working together. Which must make such a difference in the lives. And how did the funding from the Women's Fund for Scotland help you? What did it allow you to do? So we didn't get everything that we had hoped for, but what it managed to do was plug a gap um, in our funding. So the way we are kind of working at the moment is, um, you know, different streams of funding, but the funding at the moment we're finding isn't giving us continuity. So we're getting small shortfalls of funding, which is just allowing us to continue working with the group of women that we have. So it's a smaller number, but the need is so much greater. So the Women's Fund funding was able to plug a gap where we had a shortfall in funding to continue the work that we were currently doing and it is currently in place with these ladies. We need more there needs to be more work more awareness the funding has to be so much more um you don't want to turn anybody away and no. the worst thing I feel so horrible when I have to you know women are coming through to us we're getting phone calls and emails and a word of mouth as well has really really increased when women are now seeing these women that have participated with us and they're saying you know you've made such a difference um your mental health is better your physical health is better and the women themselves are going around and telling other people that they've had such a tremendous and wonderful experience um, and the difference it's made to their lives. So then these other ladies that are coming on board and saying, I would really like to be a part of this. And for me to turn around and say, I'm so sorry, I don't have capacity. We don't have capacity. Um, you know, that is such, that is, it's, a, it's a horrible feeling for me to be in that position. And it's and <laughs> I can only imagine what they feel like when I'm turning them away. Um, so the waiting list is forever growing, you know. <laughs> I'll put your name down, I'll put your name down. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, then we need more to kind of facilitate the work. I was going to ask you, how do you recruit women for your project? How do women find you? But it sounds to me like you're becoming victims of your own success. We are. Initially, we started off um, as an addiction support service. So we had our core project, which is Family Life Matters. And women, um, most of the time within that project were overlooked um, because they weren't, you know, the core service wasn't being provided for them. But what we found, especially after COVID, that not just those women, but there was so many others that really, really had to get through this isolation period. They didn't know what to do. And we felt, as we were working in a grassroots sort of level already within the community, that, you know what, we want to try and put something together, work with the women that we already have within the service. They weren't now fitting into that project, but they, need, but they still needed some level of support. So... The women have come a long way um, and they've come through sort of the different channels. We've had them from our own in-house. We've had other community groups and organisations and then word of mouth. And it has now taken off. It's fantastic. But like like I was saying before, there's too many of them and not enough of us to get this all done. Yeah, because success for you, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? Because these women will go back into their communities and, and feeling in a much better place. They start to spread the word about you and then they're all going to 
come back in again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These new women are going to come to you. So they're they're walking the new the, the women out there that you've helped are walking adverts, but oh gosh, now people are expecting you to deliver. Yes. We hope to deliver. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's that's what we need to do. That's that's the aim. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry, how old is your organization? Ten years. Ten years. And when did you start this at like this this section the, the, this section so this the, the project here is called Parata in the Park so that we were Parata in the Park Parata in the Park yeah so what was going to entice Asian ladies to get out the house right this was just as lockdown was coming to ease we had a couple of focus groups and things and the easiest way to meet up then was outside outdoors in the park um so the manager came up with this she goes listen let's just get some paratas get them in the park right have a conversation the women from the other project, they'll come along and, you know, we'd kind of, you know, put the word out there that, you know, we're kind of looking to start something like this. We feel that there's a need in the community. And what does the community want? What were the women wanting? So, yeah, that's how Barata in the Park, the project came about. So we're now, April 21 was when we first had our initial group meet and sort of focus groups kind of took place around then. And, yeah, we've just grown since then. Isn't it astonishing how many um, outreach um, work is carried out for women is done through food? It's a universal language and it appeals to everybody. You don't need to make lunch at home today. Lunch is being provided. And you find, of course, that when, especially when women are sitting, either making or or, or eating food, they, they do talk, don't they? They talk, they talk. I've found that one of the, I mean, it's a peer support group and one of the good ways of engaging them in sort of the conversations is to get them talking over an activity. So quite recently we had pottery painting. So they're all quite, you know, engrossed and, you know, they're working away on their design and their pattern, you know, sort of discussing and having the conversations I'm, I sort of listen in and observe and, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to the conversations. These smaller activities where they're focused on doing something, they talk and the support and you, you see them all sort of recognising each other's um, value and, you know, input into sort of the wider problems that they're all facing. And that that's a really good way and a good element to kind of bring them together and, and get them to open up and get them to talk. Getting women to do something and talk at the same time, that's a, that's, that's a really clever move. Yeah, yeah, because getting them just around a table and saying, right, oh. let's discuss, or having, you know, workshops. And, you know, we, we we tried sort of different scenarios to see what works. Um, workshops are great if they're short and sweet because people quickly lose focus. And they, they, don't, they don't really want to, you know. They're there, you know, isolation and loneliness. That's their biggest problem. And if I'm going to put them in a workshop setting and say, right, we're going to cover A, B, C, D. Uh, okay, that's great. You know, but no, <laughs> yeah. it's something that focuses the mind. So it's quite artistic, you know, get them involved get them busy doing different things and whilst their hands are busy doing something um yeah they talk yeah they do don't they and another thing is if you get women in a room just sitting around a table going right let's all let talk about our isolation now you can practically see every woman's thing head going but actually i should be doing the ironing or i should be doing something else giving them activity it gives them a focus gives them a purpose you know and there's also learning and other aspects behind it as well we try and sort of engage them in lots of different ways and try and you know um, whether it's sports, we've had them in the gym um, and, you know, we had them on the running, in, on the treadmills and then on the treadmills and I'm saying, right, come on, try and pick up your speed. But, the, you know, the conversation's flowing so they can't really walk as fast as I'm wanting them to kind of go, you know. There's me trying to put them up and they're like, no, 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 no. I've just said to finish this little bit of my story. And and I'm a huge fan because I, I like to go swimming on a Saturday with my pal. I mean, we are swimming, you know, we are moving through the water, but we are also blethering the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one stroke, one stroke, yeah. yeah. And another thing, you know. So uh-huh. Women's fun facts. 
Women's Fund for Scotland has supported more than 650 groups across Scotland. You have a unique, I would say, insight into working with women from, from these communities. I mean, have you picked up lessons that you could pass on to other organisations working with women from back from different backgrounds like this? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, initially, I mean, it was difficult to get them to engage. It was initially mm -hmm. really difficult to get them to open up. And what we found was sort of going through sort of... Um, mainstream channels of being you know overly professional and you know like okay, this is we're going to do this like this like this no that approach didn't work so we found being completely at one with them you know you and I are the same right right what do you need right that's what we're going to do really taking on board what they had to say and what they needed what they wanted you know most of them are, are older than me but honest to god it's just like being on that level of friendship just being friends, being really at one with them. Um, I feel I've learned a lot from these ladies and just observing them and watching how they sort of do things. And then Return will say to me, well, you know, we've learned from you as well, um, just sort of how to navigate different aspects of life even. So, yeah, I think it's challenging. It's recognising that they're going to be comfortable and you need to put those surroundings in place that's going to make them be comfortable and willing to open up and share and engage with you, really. That's a lovely phrase, so to be at one with them. Yeah, yeah, well, completely. I, initially, obviously, they didn't know me, I didn't know them, you know, and as the work has continued and if we've, you know, broke, and there's ladies who have worked with us and have now gone on to do other things, but, you know, every so often they'll sort of jump in and out and say, oh, do you know what, I'm now doing this, and remember when we done this? So they've managed to pick up on the skills that they've developed here and then take that on and do other things with it. But it's nice for me to see that they've made the connection to come back in, pick up with me and say, oh, thanks. You know, that was really good. And that feedback kind of, yeah, I'm not their peer. They're not my peer. No one's better than each other. We're all the same, you know, going through this journey of life. And it's like, how can we all, you know, that word empowerment? Yeah. How can we actually empower each other to get the best out of what we've got available, really? It sounds to me that the demand for your services is huge. So. It's what huge. Your, oh yeah. Um. Will these women be involved in your future plans for future projects? Yes. Uh. I think as the project develops and we've got funding in place, I think what would be good would be, I think some of these women are possibly in a position where even if they were to have multi groups running. Right now, I'm doing one of these a week, and amongst my other roles, um. I, I can envisage these women then being in a position where they've learned the tools, they've learned the understanding and with help and support, you know, we could have more than one group operating and some of these women could actually then take lead with the other groups. I mean, it sounds to me like the demand for your services is one of the key issues that you've got going forward. Is that one of mm -hmm. your biggest challenges right now? Biggest challenge, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's trying, it's trying to plug that gap, you know, um, and that's one of the things that we've kind of thought about that some of these women that have kind of worked through the service, have gone through the support and they're at a, a good stage. Um, They would then be great advocates to kind of have these smaller groups running themselves. You're facing quite a lot of challenges there, Ati, aren't you? Funding is one aspect and it's also getting the recognition that these minority communities, there is no other signposting um, that they're comfortable in engaging with. And I know there's loads of different organisations and groups already available within the communities. And the, But what we find with these ladies is that they're not willing to go. There's boundaries, um, there's restrictions. And with us, because there's that familiarity, you know, language isn't a barrier. Um, there's a level of comfort. And they've all sort of become like a big extended family and sort of, they, they are, they are, and I, I can see that sort of networking side to it. 
They're one big family now. How comforting that must be. And actually on that, of course, the Women's Fund for Scotland uh, just doesn't only um, have uh, funds available, also has uh, support and networking. Is that something that you, you'd find helpful as well? Yeah, that's something that we can um, go to. You know, there's a lot of signposting and networks available that they can then um, also look into and that has been uh, positive for the ladies. And, and it could it could help you as well, I would imagine. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. It's a great tool. It's a great service there. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and finally, uh, there's a stat here that always makes my jaw drop, and I, I just wonder what you think of it as well. Only 1.8% of funding goes to women's groups. Isn't that shocking? I just think it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And from that 1.8%, right, I mean, I haven't done the maths to work out how much of that actually goes to the ladies within the minority communities. Uh, yeah. That's even you know, tiny, tiny, such an insignificant amount. Um, and that, I mean, on the wider scale, that 1.8% to women and girls, right, that needs to be, some, somebody needs to be championing that. That needs to be addressed, changed. We make up the population here the same as everybody else, right? There needs to be better better sharing of this 1.8%, most definitely. Atiyah, if you're going to start, I don't know, a political party to make some kind of a change, you've definitely got my vote. Um, I would flock behind your banner any day. Fantastic. Well, especially if there's Parata in the park, because I am. Yeah, quite like yeah. Parata's. Mm, yeah, so food, food, food. I'm telling you, food's you know, food's the thing that brings everybody together, right? So yeah, <laughs> that's the way to go. It certainly is. Thank you so much for introducing us to MCAS and to the wonderful work that you're doing and the, the idea of Parata in the Park. Fantastic. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and listening to this story. I hope you've been inspired. And if you would like to support the Women's Fund for Scotland, search for us online and listen out for our other podcast episodes.